0: Life Audio. You're listening to Therapy and Theology, and I'm your host, Carly Merclier. This podcast is a space where we explore popular topics and questions related to the convergence of faith, feelings, spiritual formation, and more. My prayer is that through these conversations, We will grow in our awareness of who we are as beloved children of God, learn to acknowledge our needs and emotions with curiosity and compassion, and rediscover the purpose and power of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. As a licensed therapist and ministry leader, I want to give voice to the many questions we face while cultivating a clearer view of how our faith informs our healing journey. I don't have all the answers, but I am committed to going deeper and walking together. So whether you've been to therapy or know exactly what you believe when it comes to theology, I want to invite you to join this journey as we fearlessly name the complexities of our present reality and press into the hope of the gospel story. So are you ready? Let's jump into today's question and begin this journey together. Welcome back to Therapy and Theology. Happy Thursday. I'm excited to jump back into the themes that we have begun to dig into within the past few weeks. So if you haven't listened to the last two episodes, I encourage you when you have time, go back and listen to those. But last week we explored the question of worth and its importance to our sense of self. And we made some significant distinctions between our worth and our worthiness. And today I want to explore the aspect of our needs and brokenness to better understand this root of our unworthiness and how it can create either freedom to flourish or bind us to an identity of brokenness and shame. As Mark McMinn explained in our interview on the overview of these topics, our goal is to seek growth and maturity into a more accurate view of both ourself, our needs, and our understanding of healing relationships. So today, I want to discuss the questions that often arise in my counseling office and within Christian discipleship surrounding the reality of sin, brokenness, and our needs as imperfect people. But I want to put a disclaimer on this as we begin, because I think oftentimes I see how much the church at large and historically has handled human brokenness with such a heavy hand. And in turn, many of us have experienced religious wounding and maybe even have misconceptions related to what the Bible actually says about sin and how it impacts us and our relationships And so remember, our worthiness, like we talked about last week, what we deserve or what is based on merit is not contingent to our value to God. This is important to remember as we begin this discussion because it helps us to better see God's heart for us and the good news that our needs and imperfections actually draw God towards us rather than away from us. So if this is a new perspective to you, I hope you keep listening as we explore the question, are we sinners or are we sick? So I like this question because one, I think it's kind of a hot take. And also I think it helps us see the polarity of maybe the evangelical extremists and the psychological models of our culture. And so these perspectives are based on what we call attributional styles. And psychologists believe that this concept of how we explain good or bad events in our lives and others impacts us emotionally, right? So think about this. If we are taking on the attribute of what they would call internal attribution, I am a sinner, it assumes I have choice and responsibility for my good or bad decisions, And in this context of the sin issue, we see that internal attribution leads to potential anger or shame, even frustration towards the sinner and punishment of the sin. And internally, I think this also can lead to a management mentality that focuses on sin as a set of maybe bad habits that we have to eliminate. And I love that concept that Sin is much more than a set of bad habits that we have to eliminate. But when we see it through this internal attribution style, it becomes very connected to our sense of self and the formational impact for this spiritually, I think, falls into a workspace salvation like we talked about last week, management of our behaviors and thinking that everything that goes wrong in our lives is somehow our fault and God is punishing us Because we've maybe fallen in or out of his will. And what happens here is we rely on self, right, to heal or fix self. And this becomes a really challenging extreme to our attribution of sin. But then there's another extreme, right? We have what we would call the external attribution of sin. And that is you are a victim or you are sick. And this assumes that something outside of us causes the problems that we have in life. And this can lead to. Certainly, a sympathy for the victim and for the person that was you know harmed, or the fact that you can't control what's happening to you, but I think there's also a formational impact here because what it tends to do is it denies and even maybe distance us from the idea that sin is personal issue at all, or there's a fear that sin acknowledging sin is going to cause emotional distress. And psychology has kind of made this statement that religiosity or spirituality negatively impacts our emotional experiences. To tell ourselves that we are sinners is somehow psychologically unhealthy for us. And I think this is where the concept of integration is really important. Because when I read this, and as a therapist and as a believer... I have a hard time because I see where the external attribution of sin comes from. We acknowledge that victimization is real and we acknowledge that we don't have control over the abuse that we experience. But in turn, I also know that I'm imperfect and that I have made choices that have had unfortunate consequences in my life. And so what I think is so powerful about integration here is that, what if it's not one or the other? What if it's both? What if I am sick and a victim and a sinner? What if sin is our sickness? I love this concept because it allows us to see the dimensions of sin as both active and passive, or as theologians would say, personal and original. Millard Erickson's definition of sin is this. He says, sin is any lack of conformity active or passive to the moral will of God. This may be a matter of act, of thought, or of inner disposition or state. This definition of sin is helpful because it broadens our perspective of sin and allows us to see it as not just a action or behavior, but a state of being because of the fall, right? We have to go back to the theological underpinning and foundation of this And acknowledge that sin is not just a behavior that needs to be tamed, but it is an essential aspect of what has happened in this world. And so when we think about this in relation to the fall in Genesis, Three, we have to be able to identify that it impacted our identity in very many ways. And Dick Keyes explains this. He notes that our impact of identity can be seen in three distinct contexts. First, our relationship to God, right? So there is distance or disdain or even I would call it tension between our relationship with God because we want to be our own God, right? That willfulness. And then we have, two: the distortion of our image that we bear of God. And then three, it also impacts our experience within an abnormal world. And I I think this is the most important one to hold on to because I think the reality of brokenness in the world helps us to realize that it wasn't supposed to be this way. This is an abnormal world. It feels wrong because it is wrong. And that allows us to have a framework for something that doesn't belong to us versus something that does right it, it allows these two to coexist we all are imperfect and our world is imperfect and thus we experience the disorientation of living in a broken and fractured world and i don't know how else we can explain the wrongness that precedes our experience and the reality of our pain both impersonally personally inflicted and then inflicted upon us If there is one thing I think that many of us can agree upon, even if we don't have the same theology, is that we're not perfect, right? (laughs) I mean, as much as we would like to attempt to try, and I know I am a recovering perfectionist, and I honestly admit that, but what we quickly realize is that our morals and expectations cannot be met if based on ourselves. And with this framework, we don't have to deny or become discouraged with the reality of sin, I think there might be a large misconception that our salvation from sin is being free of sin. Those are two different things, right? I don't know where I heard this, but I heard someone say recently, we are saved from sin, even if we're not free of sin. And I think this is so important for us to acknowledge. And this is what Scripture talks about, right? Right. In Romans 5 and 6, man, if you haven't read it, read Romans and acknowledge just the goodness of God, because when we acknowledge our brokenness, we also read that God came in the midst of all of this. He moves towards us in our sin, and he doesn't take away sin from the earth, right? We experience that every day. We are still seeing and embodying sin. We would still make bad choices. But what we realize is that there is grace. And with a proper view of sin, we can stop relying on self-made measurements of worthiness and rest in the power of Christ and our dependence in and on Him.
1: What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact.
0: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up.
1: This
0: transition from acknowledging our sin and brokenness to relying on Christ transforms us and we no longer are named or identified by our brokenness in Christ. It says we have died. We've been crucified to those things and we are raised with Christ. And so something that I remind myself daily and that I encourage clients to hold on to is this new nature this embodiment of the Spirit. And in Romans 5, it talks about this. It says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men and women. (laughs) And for, as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. This is the good news of the gospel, that our... Identity is now found, informed in Christ, and we are made righteous. And so we no longer have to identify with the brokenness, even though we experience it, if that makes sense. We're, we're differentiating from it, so to speak. And I think this helps us recognize that the bad news of sin also comes with the good news of grace, and the two cannot be separated. And in many ways, I think this helps us in our relationships with others because we're able to welcome people and say, me too, welcome, come in. I am just as much of a sinner as you. And this is something that I believe the church doesn't do well. I believe that Christians have a hard time letting go of judgments and anchor towards sin that they don't understand And the challenge there is it wounds and it separates people from an image of God that says, come to the table. And we are changed in that encounter with Jesus, not before. And, you know, as I think about this often, I think, too, that it goes without saying that we can't give what we don't have. And so maybe it starts here. Maybe it starts with our own understanding of our sin and brokenness and God's grace, that can free us to then offer this compassion and heart of God to others. And so in Christ, we are saved from sin, even if we are not free of sin. So where do we start with this for ourselves as we acknowledge and grow in maturity to a accurate sense of our needs and brokenness? This should draw us to God, right? And not just in a sense of like, Oh, I'm so sinful and I need a savior. But yes, we are and we do, but the reality of our confession to God is not just that we have done something wrong. Maybe maybe we only confess our sins when we feel sinful, right? But what if we change the mindset? from this good or bad mentality to this understanding that my daily dependence on God is not just for my sins of what we call commission, things that I do against God's will, but also for my need of God in my human state. This idea of a spirit of confession is not based on just Confessing specific sins, but recognizing our dependence and need for God. And this is where spiritual disciplines come in. Now, I think we can have a whole different conversation on spiritual disciplines, but think of them not as solutions to sin, but as pathways for connection and transformation. As we become dependent and draw close to God, we have a more accurate view of self a more accurate view of our needs, and it draws us again back to God, right? And so it's this this continuum. And again, next week, we'll jump into this last piece of healing relationships and how both our sense of self and our sense of need, as we become more understanding of both of these, it allows us to connect to healing relationships, first with God and then with others. And so I want to close with just a simple practice. For me, breath prayers are something that I think really help me realign when there is condemnation and there is feelings of shame and guilt, and we get consumed with this internal attribution of our brokenness. Something that can help is going back to scripture and acknowledging a truth that allows us to hold on to grace. And so when we breathe, we breathe in and we breathe out, right? And so breath prayers can be a way to breathe in grace and to breathe out shame, to breathe in God's goodness and to breathe out our pain or our inferiority or our fear. And so think about it this way, breathing in God's word, breathing out what? Is not of our new and righteous nature. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Therapy and Theology. If you have a question or topic you would like discuss on a future episode, please feel free to email me or drop it in the comments. Also, don't forget to subscribe to have each week's episode instantly downloaded to your podcasts and see the show notes for resources mentioned in this episode. To access more content, enjoy my monthly email list for the latest updates and info visit my website at carlymarkleer.com. There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful, devotional, and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.